Let's bring in Stephanie Lewicki, the Senior Manager of Trader Education at TD Ameritrade. Stephanie is joining us to talk earnings. Stephanie, it's time to roll up our sleeves once again. It's that time of, well, the year, I should say the quarter, where we get to start to take a look here at, well, earnings. Some of the big banks are reporting here, and uh, they're going to provide a little bit of insight to investors in terms of bottom line. And uh, let's begin with, well, the three Goldman this morning, J.P. Morgan Chase, and we're talking uh, also Wells Fargo. Uh, that's right. And, and all three banks beats across the board on, on the top and bottom line. Uh, again, the price activity is uh, a little bit different amongst the banks. I mean, Goldman, I think, comes out the, the big winner and is up about one and a half percent right now, over one and a half percent. Now they had um, Goldman again, record results, revenue, 18 or earnings per share, 1860 uh, versus 1022. And the revenue was 17 spots, 7 billion versus 12.6 billion, which is amazing. Great trading revenue, great investment banking, SPACs, IPOs helped all three banks across the board. We do see, like I said, they all beat on the top and bottom line. Wells Fargo is up slightly right now, and JPM, last I looked, is is down slightly. So, um, you know, helping the market a little bit, but but not doing much as we're looking for the the next catalyst to really, uh, you know push this market higher or, you know, we're looking for something that could possibly derail it. Again, NASDAQ, which is not related to any of the earnings we just discussed, did top that 14,000 last night. There's some strength in the Dow and the ES uh, because of uh, Goldman and JP Morgan, but, but not much right now. Yeah, rates coming off has also helped lift the NASDAQ as well, in addition to the names mentioned. Uh, Goldman, the real standout, again, for me, here you can see topping, uh, well, EPS almost double what was expected. We're talking $18.60. Now, you said 12. We're seeing 11 and a half right here in terms of revenue. Expected expectations, 11 and a half. I think you said 12 as far as I remember, but our expectations were a little bit below that. But, Steph, that's a good mm -hmm. look at the actual results. We can dive a little bit more deeper into those results in just a minute. But I wanted to talk first and foremost about why the banks are so closely, wa closely watched and how they can impact the indices. You mentioned the NASDAQ. Well, again, I think, well, the banks, this is really the, the kickoff of the earnings season. So one of the first reasons is can the banks really set the tone for the start of Q1 earnings season? What are their CEOs, their CFOs saying on the conference call? Some we're still waiting to hear from. And then the impact that some of these banks actually have in the indices. So that's why we're watching them. For example, if we're looking, if we're looking at Goldman, now that is number two weighted in the Dow Jones. So number one is United Healthcare with about a seven and a half percent weighting. Goldman is about six and a half percent. And remember that the Dow is price weighted. So you can see the impact when you're looking at Goldman earnings come out, you see that strong pop. You also see the Dow with a strong pop as well. So you get the micro and the e-mini contract. Again, no, the same contract, just bringing up the micro because those are an ever so popular traded product, the micro one-tenth of the size on the classic e-mini. And then if we look at uh, JP Morgan or if we stand Goldman, now, in the S&P 500, it's pushed down a little bit in waiting, number 71 out of the 500 uh, companies that are in there. But in the S&P 500, um, sorry, in the S&P 500, the um, Goldman is, sorry, Goldman is, is number 71 in the S&P, and Goldman is down to, okay, 15 here. So you're looking at the strength of um, 
really, uh, if we focus on the Dow right now, the big strength that you're seeing, the footprint, I would say, and that's why that's important. So even if you're not trading any of these banks, knowing the footprint, the influence they can have on the price action is very important to watch. Okay, and here we can see JP Morgan, again, number nine in uh, the S&P there. And, you know, Stephanie, a lot of focus here on loan growth this quarter with loan to deposit ratios at historic lows. Was there anything in terms of the inner, more specific details in terms of some of these reports, aside from just earnings per share and revenue that really stood out to you that uh, caused you to take a step back and take notice? Well, I, I think if you look at J.P. Morgan, uh, big beat there. Now, they had a big reserve release, which was $5.2 billion that they released from, uh, again, the, the reserves. And I think that number is really what is kind of juicing the numbers in, in J.P. Morgan, why those are so strong. And, and, if, and if the CEO, Jamie Dimon, he did say that the bank's remaining credit reserves are $26 billion, so they released five. And he said, are appropriate and prudent, all things considered, and stressed the fact the factor that the release of previous reserves should not be regarded as a reoccurring factor. So again, that's, I think, really strong. Again, earnings 50% ahead of expectations. I think you look to, and I think we were all anticipating, the big boom in mergers and acquisitions and IPOs, and especially SPACs. I mean, SPACs were the thing of the quarter, the thing of the really the past year. You look at the revenue division up 46%. Equity markets revenue was 47%. So this is, we're looking at the trading side of thing. Equity markets revenue up 47% compared to three uh, at 3.3 billion. Fixed income was up 15% and 5.8. Now JP Morgan has one of the, the biggest trading desks just under Goldman Sachs. So again, the trading side, for Goldman, for uh, J.P. Morgan, both strong on the fixed income on the equity side. Wells Fargo doesn't have quite that that trading desk, but Wells Fargo brings in uh, is the biggest mortgage lender, so some strength there uh, on the mortgage side. Yield curve steepening, new all-time highs in the indices probably contributing to some of that. Stephanie, we also know that, well, some of the lure to the big banks as of recent again comes with the Fed allowing them to return more to shareholders. You mentioned some of the trading revenue. I guess my next question is how do they sustain some of these uh, robust numbers? I mean, ultimately, does it come from trading revenues? Does it come from uh, loan growth? Because, uh, I mean, there hasn't been a lot of demand for loans, for one, but certainly with rates on the rise, the yield curve steepening that helps them on that front and the benefits a bit. Well, well, right. So can they sustain this? Uh, one of the banks, it, it might have been, you know, digging through these reports, it might have been Wells Fargo that said, uh, you know, it, uh, rates coming off, uh, rates on, on the rise a bit with uh, mortgages towards the end of the quarter and then the um, the low supply of housing out there and then the, um, the increase, it's harder to get a loan now. So towards mm. the end of the quarter, hurting a bit on, on the mortgages. But again, you know, the beginning of the quarter, you know, last year, the, the, the booming housing market and, and, and rates, um, you know, at historical low levels. So I think we have to look towards rates again. Can this housing market really towards, you know, Wells Fargo, that's a big portion of their bank, could that be sustained? And then really, you know, the, the, the car, the consumer, the strength in the consumer, can the consumer, we've seen an incredibly, incredibly strong consumer come out of this pandemic. We will get a clue into that from retail sales tomorrow. And then the trading side, that all depends on the on the volatility in the markets, what kind of markets there are. The trading has uh, been, uh, you know, the volumes have been uh, historical throughout uh, the, the, the different markets. So the trading side, again, we'll, we'll see what's to come. And, you know, they ran so much 
over this last quarter. So maybe that's why we're not getting a lot of movement mm, on the stocks. To, such incredible, yeah. right, in reaction to, because it was already really priced in that they were going to do this well. So maybe that's why we're not seeing much action. We'll get a little bit more color. We have Delta this week. We have Pepsi this week as well. United Healthcare will be a big one because, uh, as I mentioned earlier, that's the number one weighted uh, stock in the Dow. UNH you were talking about. Yeah, let's talk about some of the other big banks. We've got three more to come this week. Talk to us. So three more banks. Yes, we have Morgan Stanley still to come. We have uh, Citigroup. We have Bank of America. So again, those don't have as, as much impact in the indices as these, but they're still in there. So again, we got three banks. This is setting the tone. I think some of the biggest that people look to is JP Morgan because of the power that Jamie Dimon has in his comments. And again, he reiterated his comments that we heard in his letter to shareholders that he's very bullish the economy. He's bullish out to 2023. It's a Goldilocks economy. So then we'll get a little bit of taste of some of the banks that have, a, you know, they're not all, um, they're not all, uh, you know, Goldman and JP Morgan have more of a uh, an impact or more of a footprint in the the trading and uh, the trading desk space where we, we don't see as much in in City or, or Bank of America. Well, we'll start to see more of a consumer side with with credit cards. So we'll get a little bit, of, you know, a bit of a different spin. But so far, you know, so good with with, with these earnings. But again, not the, quite the impact on the markets, even with these fabulous numbers.